It has finally happened. You caught it. That overwhelming desire to sit in the big chair. You want to be a dungeon master. You have an idea for a campaign, something sweeping and epic. It may even put the Lord of the Rings to shame. But where do you start? Lucky for you, we have the answer. It's your campaign, part one. Preparing your epic adventure, this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page and click the support button. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's everything going? Good. Got a ream of paper and a bunch of pencils sharpened and ready to go. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, we built a world, so now we're going to do build some, your campaign. Let's do something with it. Yeah, let's adventure in it. Let's go. Because that's what world building and, and D&D gaming is, is all about, damn it. It's adventuring and your campaign. Part one. I have a sword. Let's go for a long walk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've a... Uh, Epic adventure to prepare for, right? Yes, so, we do. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Look out, Tolkien. Here it comes. <laughs> so, why don't you um, take us down that path? Well, uh, the first thing that you want to do before you do anything is determine what the plot of the campaign is. That Yeah, that'd be the core of it. Yeah, and then um, you're going to want to tease it out. But let's talk a little bit about determining what what the plot is. I mean, that's probably the most important part. There's a part. lot of different ways to go. Um, some of the, the staples are a hero born or risen, you know, to save the world or the town or the damsel. Uh, you also have um, a team, or, you know, your party, that endeavors to save or preserve something threatened, another popular uh, plot line. Uh, then you can or reestablish or find something that's been lost and needed for the greater good. Yeah, and once you have, have that kind of figured out, it doesn't have to be a really detailed uh, kind of plot. You know, you just got to well, figure yeah, out not the, big, yeah. the big story, the, the, the broad brush strokes, if you will. Um, just enough to spark an interest in your group. And for you to have an idea of, you know, what direction the campaign's going in. But then you want to kind of tease it out. You know, like they do with movies. Only you don't want to put, like, all the awesome stuff in the movie, and in then, the teaser. Because then people go and they're like, you know what? 
It was like two and a half minutes of good stuff, and it was all in the damn teaser, and the rest was <laughs> rubbish, right? So tease it out, though. Build that excitement and that interest in in your gaming group. It's it's kind of a cool thing to do to get your players interested. And we have a Facebook page um, that was that was built a while ago. Todd put it together um, when you know all that facey time and everything was you know big. <laughs> And well, well, let's not confuse that with our current Facebook page. This is our our groups, our groups yeah, our, our groups, our, our private groups uh, Facebook page. I, we teased out, I think, the last twelve adventures that we did for our long week on there. Yes, just little little things to kind of build that excitement. Once once little our hints, little questions, yeah. So what is so and so going to do about this? Yeah, and what this is what happened last time, and here's what's coming, and 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 everything, and um, but you want to keep it brief, right? You, yeah, yeah, it, not a lot of details. Keep it brief, just enough to kind of pique interest. Yeah, an appetizer, if you will, because yep. if it's too long, you know they're going to lose interest. The, the world's a busy place, and your players aren't going to want to read, like, a 12-page dissertation. So a couple <laughs> short paragraphs. That's, that's sleepy time in my world. That is – that is uh, and I can never make it through anything that long. Give me a little bit. Yep. A little bit to kind of wet the whistle, an appetizer, you know, before I hit the buffet line, you know, that there will be go. the campaign. Um, All right, Scott, so what – What's your favorite format? What format do you seem to go to? You have episodic, you're player-driven, and you have series, which are the three big ones. So which one do you think is going to be – which one do you like the most? That's a, that's a, tricky, that's a tricky question. I, yeah. I think every one of them has their, their place. Like I like to mush them all together. Yeah, I do the same thing. Um, like let's, I, see, let's see if your recipe follows mine. Okay. Like I I like an episodic campaign for our Monday nights. And the reason why I really like that is because being adults, um, we have adulting to do. So sometimes we can't always make it to our Monday night games. But with an episodic um, adventure, an episodic campaign, you can you could get past – an episode, so to speak, in a night of gaming. But I like to add a player-driven component to that. So you have the episode that's happening that night, but then there's kind of like that overarching kind of player's story that takes up, you know, it's kind of like happening in the background, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're building up to something bigger. And we had a lot of success with our episodic City-based oh, yeah. campaign, very much so. Um, it's very, very popular, and and we had guest. Uh, it was it was very much so like like a TV show because it was a pretty <laughs> large cast appearance. of characters. <laughs> yep, and occasionally we'd have some uh, folks come in, like Larry. Larry doesn't yep. normally make it to the Monday night games. He's got like he's got his own adulting he's got to do. But once in a while, he'll like he'll just magically appear. Yes. Um, that's because someone looked in the mirror and said his name three times, three times. And that works really. Um, unfortunately, uh, Larry's pretty, pretty benign. 
you know, so no one's getting axe murdered or anything like all those other entities that you uh, <laughs> uh, conjure in mirrors. But he would pop in every now and again, and he would have a character that he would play. And it, w- it was almost like, you know, these 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 characters that kind of floated in and out of, like, Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules the Legendary <laughs> Journeys there. Whoever the Bruce Campbell guy was, you know, he, he would pop in. That was kind of like what Larry was. Larry yep. was our Bruce Campbell in our in our adventure sorry larry you're just not that good looking but with you know and, and you don't have the jaw right that's a you hell don't have of a jaw, jaw that man has yes. but the uh uh the, we had like gms that would rotate through as well so yes. everybody kind of sat in the gm's chair kind of like you know you get a director a bunch of different directors on a tv show so it was pretty cool um and then you have that add that like kind of player driven component to it and i thought it was i thought it was really neat now see i followed a very very similar i start with episodic especially if i'm dealing with a something that i i hope will draw out longer from there i'll drop hints in every episode to help bolster a more series driven so i can write for a longer campaign but i use the the plot and and parallel plots on the story, the, the character driven stuff. So if you're running a parallel plot along with everything else on your your character driven stuff, if a particular player, i.e. character, is not there, it doesn't detract from anything else. You can say, all right, they're off to the side following their thing, and that's and, that's one of the really good things about an episodic campaign, right? And then you can stick with your episodic. Everyone else is carrying on the main plot. You're still dropping your hints for your series so you can carry it longer if you need to, but you always have a place for your characters to shine independently with your character-driven plot lines. Yeah, prep time, I think, is is a lot easier with an episodic campaign. Oh, yes, yes. Um, you're, you're just doing a... All you got to do is account for about four, four or five hours of your time. Yeah, um, four to six encounters, and boom, you're done. Yeah, and, and whatever develops, develops, and that gets... Put your parallel plot lines in the uh, the Donnelly files, the the little kind of side superhero campaign that we we deviate to every now and again when we need a break from D and D is probably the purest of episodic, almost oh, like yeah. the eighties and nineties TV shows, <laughs> where it's almost like the one that happened before it never happened. Yes, you know, they, you just don't really hear it hear it mentioned. It's it's um. It's it's very convenient, but every episode's encapsulated. Yeah, and the the story arc kind of be lost in in an episodic campaign. So if you're really yes. looking for a story arc, episodic may not may not be the best option. Not it's, a, not a it's pure doable. episodic. Not a yeah. pure episodic. Like Certainly said, you, not. You drop hints for you know that you could germinate later on for a series. Yeah, uh, player driven campaigns are probably my my least favorite. Because it's it, it's it's all kind of the whimsy of the players, and it's hard to kind of get a a story well, down. It's yeah, a big be, sandbox. It it depends on well, that's just exactly it. It depends on who's feeling Olympic that day, uh-huh. and they seem to step forward and take it off. And you, two or three people, have always to come to the forefront. So you try to write something for those two to three to have get some kind of structure, and then. Lou decides he's going to take over that week, and Lou, you know, steps to the front and goes, "All right, soapbox is mine. Great for Lou, but I didn't write for Lou. Crap." 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's makes it really, really hard. Uh, you all, you run into some unique problems where, you know, there's, there's almost like a meandering feel yeah. to, to it and, and aimlessness can run rampant if you're not tricky. I think mm-hmm. you need to start a player driven campaign almost like a railroad, you know, got to railroad them a little bit and then kind of yeah. turn the reins over. But even then it's not. And then you're going to have to try to get them back on their tracks and that's not going to yeah. be easy. And, and that's a lot of wasted time. That's a, a lot of, a lot of missed opportunities for some good, like cooperative storytelling. Well, that's what I like to keep, like I said, I meant I'd like to treat, keep it as a parallel, but not as part of the main plot so they can have their little tangents if they want but it doesn't detract from the main plot. Yeah, I I think in in a um in an episodic or epic campaign, you you can you can still have a great deal of player agency without railroading the players, you know, yes. uh, or without having the players kind of meandering aimlessly. I I I think you can you can very artfully do that. Um but the player-driven campaign is I mean it's probably my my least favorite as as is mine i mean it's it's a it's a good point to use but not as the focal point yeah a short player driven campaign yeah. can be can be really 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 fun i we did we did um a i don't i don't know if it was on purpose <laughs> but There's i not a lot of things we do on purpose i but. recall i recall one of our gms with our city based campaign they kind of had a heavy player driven component. And I think it maybe was just a, 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 a total loss of control. <laughs> and it was, it was like absolute bedlam. There were riots breaking out. People were shouting like the, their benefactors name out in the streets. There was uh, a battle with the city. It was, yes. And these, these are not for our listeners, just, just to give you an idea. These were not like adolescents or 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 ten or eleven year olds. These were men in their late forties, early fifties. These were these were adults, seasoned players seasoned, too, and seasoned players that just they ran amok all over this four by eight table, and it was <laughs> it was it was in <laughs> they stole the carriage from their benefactor and then ran over. The like the general public in the streets. It was a it was a damn nightmare. Oh, is what it was. It, it was, was a damn nightmare. It was. It's like it's like someone opened the doors to the barn and spanked every one of the horses, and they just ran out. It was a running of the bulls. And Lou was at the do- and Lou was at the door city. setting them a fire as yeah. they were going. Somebody had to do it. But I, I have a question now. So for a beginner, a beginning GM, what would be the best? way to, for them to start would it be episodic episodic yeah hands down episodic yes, is absolutely. probably the best way to kind of because because that's how you eat the elephant one bite at a that's time that's right you're you're writing short stories instead of like a novel right. right and i think that's it's a lot easier very much so my my absolute absolute favorite and this is why i like our long game so much my absolute favorite is the epic tale that's the way to go i i love that I like big heroism, sweeping, just majesty. I want like blockbuster movie and not the A team every Thursday. But you have to do that with a seasoned table that's ready for it. You do. You you absolutely do. Our, our table expects it now. 
Yeah. It expects yeah. If it's anything less than they are, what the frick uh, is that yeah, crap you, guys, you just pitched at us? You guys slacked off. Yeah. What would you do? Get I'm not getting my money's worth. Yeah. Just, yeah, they expect it now. I mean, after 12 years, they probably should because we've delivered sweeping epic it, stories yeah. for 12 years straight. But so Also, with the epic stories comes a lot of homework. Yes. It, it is a, a lot more work. Huge amount of homework. And, and I think, well, Bill could tell you this when when we write for our our week long getaway and these are we've said this before these are these are five eight to nine hour days and one four hour day, yes we we spend like the whole year yes up to that point we we give ourselves a month off we go in February we take March off and then in April we're we're talking about it we're we're you know we're we're plotting things out and it, it takes a lot and it's hard to do if you're doing it every week. Yes. And, and, and to that point too, a lot of times, especially when we, we run, th- uh, we write in trilogies by year one, we have the core for year two and a hint of year three. Yeah. Right. So, it, and that starts, but, and that's, but we're writing three years out in advance so yes, it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of getting together. I remember when we were alternating GMs. I mean, I did that one week. It took me about six months just to get yeah. something that that I thought was decent. I don't know how it really was, but uh, I know. I think when Eric ran his, he did about six to nine months of writing. Uh, who else? I'm trying to who else, who, remember who else ran. Well, oh, that's it. That's it. That's why I could use a break, Lou. I'm, I told you I would do another one. <laughs> but the you know the payoff, the payoff, the, pay, the payoff is, is, is huge big. on the sweeping really, epic really rights. Big. Yeah, it is huge. And but you have to be ready for it. You have to be seasoned. Get some episodes under your. Get some short series done. You know, run one uh, a campaign that goes two, three, four months. Yeah, and then. Look for maybe a little bit longer, a little bit longer. I mean, the average lifespan on scenarios on most of our tables is between five to seven years. Yeah. That's the average yeah. span of a scenario. It's, um, and it's, the payoff is huge with an epic tale. Huge, huge, huge. There's nothing more gratifying than um, seeing your players like really into it when they're at the table and then hearing your players talk about it. Away from the table. Yes. Um, every, every time you get together with one of them, even if it's not even game associated, eventually yeah. it's going to come around to, okay, uh, just a real quick question. On your last adventure, blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it always seems to come around it because it's in their thoughts constantly. Now, I know you guys both said this. Um, but you guys say you usually start at the end. Yeah. Very often. Yeah. Why? You can't know how to get to somewhere unless you know where you're going. Yeah, I think that's probably the best explanation for it. It's where's the ending going to be? Yep. You know, once once you get the ending, and there was there was one year that it was the uh, the intro was the ending. It was well, no, oh, that, that oh. was that was the year that we killed some key characters. Yes. Oh yeah. And we were too. talking about the ending, and it's like, okay, well, it's time for these guys to go, and it, these were like key NPCs. Um, we we never like plan to kill uh characters we don't have to people usually <laughs> do something outlandish to get it done speak for and, yourself and i wrote the uh i wrote the ending i wrote the the ending the the very very last part 
and to kind of wrap up the whole seven years. And then we determined how each of each of those NPCs were going to to die based on, you know, basically their life was up until up until that point. So it was almost like coming full circle. And then yep. we we backtracked. Okay, how do we get how do we get here? And that, I find that's the easiest way to do it because ending things always seems to be a lot harder than starting things. Yeah. Yep. Well put. Like I said, we we did discuss the ending a number of times and how we wanted to go about it. And, of course, the, the ending grew. Uh, we had the, the kernel of the thought, this is how we want to end it. We didn't have everything written. We didn't have all the, you know, the encounters written. But we knew how we wanted to end. And then it became larger as everything be, uh, be, that preceded it was being built. So as we built up, built up, we would constantly rehash everything we already wrote. And add a little bit more to it, and then we'd back up, you know, towards the beginning again, and then come back towards the ending again, and rewrite. So everything kept getting built up a little bit more, a little bit more. So you got that epic sweeping feel because it was layer upon layer upon layer, and everything that we wrote recently, which is creeping closer to the beginning, would ripple implications all the way through to the ending. So you'd have to go all the way through and make all these little tweaks and everything, but. The end result was absolutely amazing. Yeah it 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 really it really went went well uh, better better than I I expected and and one of those those key things and now this was not just an ending to a, a an episode in the campaign this was an ending to the campaign it, itself so those are tricky because you kind of have to tie everything that came before it like together not just in that one week that we're talking about you're talking about the two the, years previous as well yeah well so in not, this case it was like what six six that came yeah. before it yeah and that was that was that was tricky to do but the payoff was the payoff was was big but one of the one of the keys to that is um the endings kind of have to be loose enough so that you don't you don't railroad the um you don't railroad the players players hate to be railroaded and it's no fun right. when when it's when it's a railroad oh you don't want to railroad yourself either you want to yeah. get yourself into a corner because then you look unprepared yeah. and you're scrambling and, and then you have to do a time travel episode afterwards <laughs> you know when you write yourself <laughs> into the corner yeah oh it was all a dream or one of those things uh you don't ever you don't ever want to do that so i just i just put down bullet points bullet points yeah. are my favorite thing to use so like if there's a final showdown between the party and the big bad that's going to happen in a fortress uh, top of a mountain it's going to be at the highest point of the fortress so there's a potential of the big bad or some party members plummeting from that high point to their death below uh that's that's about as far as i i will get this is you know how it's how it's going to be the 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 big showdown but how they get there is still kind of pretty loose right well i mean you you can you got the big bad and his minions who are always harrying them. So yeah, you're building those. Uh, you also keep in, you know you have to consider is the big bad just is the unveiling is at the end, or does he keep cropping up? To you know even if it's just a name or a brief glimpse or okay you're battling these these other minions and there's this one person standing in the back doing nothing and the battle's turning your way not the minions way. And he just kind of turns and 
and fades away and you run after him, he's gone and he keeps doing this. So you, you have to determine how you're going to unveil your big bad. Is it in little yeah. snippets and, and, and hints here and there? Or is it just all of a sudden, surprise, hey, there's this giant monstrous thing or person. Um, go defeat him now. Yeah, you want to build up to that. You right. want to build up to the showdown with the big bad guy. You know, like Star Wars is a, a good example. You know, you see, uh, you see Palpatine kind of in the first one a little bit. He's like a hologram. Yep. And then... You know, you see a little bit more in The Empire Strikes Back, and finally you get that showdown with him in, in Return of the Jedi. You always know Darth Vader's kind of, he's a bad guy, but he's not like the big bad. I think Palpatine is. But you get little tastes of him. Right. Just enough to know that, you know, yeah, this guy's a real jerk. <laughs> you know, we want to we wanna kill him. Uh, um, that That's kind of... I think that's a fun way to unveil the big bad. Yeah, yeah. Not, you not just the pull back the curtain and there's the monster, there's the the big bad, here's the the super mage. Um, little hints here and there. You yeah, know, let, let him build the tension, and as well as okay, if he as you start your character starts developing, so does his minions, and he's still the big bad. So how bad is this guy really? Yeah, you don't want to. Um, you don't want to have. Your big bads reveal be like that that jester thing on the spring, you know, when you when you open the uh, open the box, you know, or the jack in the box thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just boing. Here's the big bad. They're gonna be like, the players are gonna be like, who the hell's this guy? Why do I care? You know, you, you want to spend some time making them like really dislike them. Like, you know, and I'm I'm gonna kill this guy. You know, I'm gonna go or this gal. I'm gonna go find him in his fortress. I'm gonna. You know we're gonna we're gonna cross swords. You know there's there's gonna be a fight, and then I'm gonna burn his corpse, and then I'm gonna huck it into the moat, then I'm gonna set the moat on fire, and then I'm gonna put alligators in the moat. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you really really want to do them. Yeah, in. you you want it like everybody when Joffrey was poisoned, people were like, good. You know, I, look, I, he's purple. I like yeah, that shade. Good. I'm just sorry <laughs> no one wrapped their fingers around the kid's throat, take him out. You know because he was like a very unlikable character which i think was done on purpose yes um and, you know i'm sure the actor's a nice man uh <laughs> but people people really were like ah you got your just desserts you know and and i think they i think your players need that too i think they need to just be out of reach of the big bad until that 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 final confrontation with them that big showdown right I think another fun twist is if your big bad is player driven and it turns out to be someone from one of their backgrounds. Yeah, I recently I recently had that with Korik. Yes. And um he seemed very satisfied with it. And unfortunately it was um we were playing online because of the pandemic. Um but I could I could see like a um I, I could see this this his facial expressions where he was very pleased with it and uh and he was like he was waiting, you know, a long time for it and uh he was very happy to have finally uh finally taken out that guy from his uh from his past. And it was it was uh it was it was actually a very very efficient 
taking out of the the big bad. <laughs> but we've we've talked a lot about the big bad, but yep. you know, you really can't have one until you build one. This is true. But before we do that, how about a a a, a word from our sponsor? Okay, we're back. Yeah, and we have to build the big bad. I mean, that's the most important thing, right? You got to have a bad guy for your good guys to defeat. Yep. So um, let's put pen to paper and see what we come up with. Yeah, I I think this is kind of like the most enjoyable part of my campaign planning. Um, next to the epic ending, I I like to I like to build build that bad guy. Yep. I think it's fun. Villains are are oftentimes a lot cooler than um than the heroes. You know, Darth Vader way cooler than Luke Skywalker or anybody else. Um, Sauron way cooler um than any of the heroes. Saruman was pretty cool. Saruman was cool because Christopher Lee played him and Christopher <laughs> Lee was a big old badass, so um he was like any any dude that's 91 who records a heavy metal album <laughs> is that's that that's that's cool dude. Yeah, I mean and that's just one of one of a long list of reasons why he was a he was a badass, but villains are always way cooler in my opinion. Well, they drive the plot quite a bit. Yeah. Um your heroes build the plot as they go. But your 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 villains are driving the plot. Yeah, and that's why you really have to do a good job. Yes. You know, designing your villain, you know, give them some give them some thought. Like why are they the villain? What makes them villainous? What are their motivations? Uh what, what do they look what like? What drove them to it? Yeah. And having a villain that is relatable and you know, I use the term loosely, like human, even if he may not be. But you know, why is why is this person the villain? Like, what what drove them to this to this point? And do they see themselves as the villain, or do they see themselves as kind of like the the good guy, for lack of a better term? I mean, those are the really really cool. Yeah, their greater good may not be the same as your greater good. Yeah. And build some empathy in there. Yeah, and it's yeah, make- it's cool to do that because when you when you start looking at different aspects of it, you know, I, I watched the karate kid not long ago, it was one of my favorite movies. And I'm like, This Danny kid was a dick. You know, I, he brought a lot of that stuff on himself. You know, he was kind of a jerk. And and when you you know, the villains aren't so villainous, it's like, you know what, I, I would have wanted to punch him in the mouth too. You know, he's kind of a kind of a jerk. We all know how I feel about Killmonger. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's only been mentioned in every other episode. Yeah, and you know, I think I think the uh, the only like one dimensional villain who is still like an awesome villain is is Khan from the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he's he pretty, was just a bad guy. He's just a bad just guy. Make sure you're talking about the original Wrath. The of origi- Khan. original Wrath, and that. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch is a fine actor. I loved his portrayal of Sherlock Holmes and Smaug and um, Doctor Strange. But Khan Noonien Singh? He was not. No. Damn it, man. That's <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. But he was kind of one-dimensional. But he was awesome because him and William Shatner had that whole like overacting competition going on. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. But he just he wasn't as deep. He yep. wasn't as deep. And they, they tried to... They tried to deepen him a little bit and and failed in an epic fashion in 
whatever it was, Star Trek Beyond or or one of those. I can't remember. Yeah. It wasn't that good. It wasn't. It wasn't memorable. Um, well, how, how about Thanos? Thanos, yeah, Thanos. There, there's a very, you know, he, there was a, for the greater good. Yeah, uh, it would that his greater good was fairly contrary to everyone else's, but yeah, he it, was doing it for the greater good. You know, there's too many you assholes running around screwing yeah. things up, so yeah. we're gonna like you're all destroying your gonna, planet. Yeah. So I'm gonna help you out. Yeah, we're gonna thin the herd a little bit. Yeah, um, the calling. Yeah, and and so you're like, yeah, I, I, I guess, and then you know, he was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a farmer. Yeah, yeah. And then like, here okay, comes I, Thor. And yeah, I just want to sit here. Cuts and his just, head off. I just want to watch the sunset. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm all done. I did my part. Fought my wars. Fought my battles. Yeah, do a good job. It's important that you do a good job. They have to be. Uh, you know, you, you want your PCs to kind of second guess themselves. Am, am I, am I on the right, wrong side? You know, I might be. Maybe, maybe this person's kind of. So it sounds like he's trying to say that. They need to be really believable. Yeah, yeah, they do. Right. They, they, they have to be. It, it can't. You know, the black hat is cool. You know, and I don't think but, so. But the gray hat is better. Yeah, you know, they, they. Um, there's a time and a place. You know, for the black hat. You know, and the twirling mustache. But once in a while, you know, once in a while, I think is is fine to just have a bad guy for the sake of 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 bad guys. You know, the Nazis in Indiana Jones. Right. You know, there were mustache twirling, black hat wearing, you know, bad guys. And that's fun. But you want, you know, if you want a deeper game, you know, you want someone yeah, if you relatable. Want a little campy, that, that's all well and fine. But, if you, yeah, you want a little bit more flavor. And as you're yeah. building your big bad and you've put all this effort and all this time into the big bad, keep that in mind as you're building your little bads, your minions, your NPCs. Give them a little flavor. And and build them with the same thought, not maybe not necessarily the same intensity, but the same thought. It's don't cookie cutter everything. Yeah, um, like you know, you you want to have your your lieutenants like Sauron, mm-hmm. um, your Urukai, bad guys that um, you know Sauron had. A, you know, yeah, he, he had some depth to him. You didn't get a chance to really explore it much in the movies, but in in the books, there was plenty of opportunity. Oh yeah, there's you know, quite a bit was, in the books. So that's um, build a build a good villain. You know, if you want to do the black hat mustache torn thing, go ahead. But whenever I go like just plain bad guy and evil, it's usually like an otherworldly threat, like a, a fiend or a demon or something. Or um, the part fits much better that way. Yeah, it's it's a little more it's a little more believable. They're just evil for. You know, because it's 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 their nature. You right. know, um, now that you got all that right, you're gonna want to put pen to paper. We you, uh, we are. So let's fill in some blanks. All right, I prefer to write this part a little bit more linear, uh, starting from the back forward, and then I'll replace. As I mentioned before, I'll repeatedly go back and make changes and moves as you build your way forward, because everything you build is going to influence everything that comes after it. Uh, and it's yeah, you're going back over your stuff quite a few times. Sometimes you don't have to change stuff. Sometimes it's it's just minute, but it does give a much more, a lot more flavor to everything because you're building in layers. Yeah, I think it, it. You know, you bring up a good point there. It's got to be, um, it's got to be a living document. You know, you yes. you um, I'll write out the entire campaign for our week long session. But if I'm doing a campaign that's going to take place like weekly over the course of a year. I'll have an outline 
and I'll maybe do the first two months' worth of sessions because I don't want to get too far ahead because things are going to change. Things are, yeah, things are going to change probably a lot in that in that time frame because players are going to come up with stuff that's way more inventive and way cooler than the stuff that you as the GM came up with. And I like to put that in there. I'm like, wow, that's I didn't think of that, and that's cool. And I'm going to add that to the campaign and then and then the players they eat that they eat that stuff up. Oh you know? yeah. See, I told you, I told you I guessed it. Yeah. I guessed it. And and feel free to do that. You know, it's not it's not an ego thing. You know what? If the players come up with way cooler stuff than you and they're going to, yeah. um, use it because they're gonna eat it up. Yeah, grab it and run with it. Yeah, they're gonna love it. So that that's how, how I'll I'll do it. You know, I try to avoid getting my heart set on the small details. Um you, you don't want to um you don't want to get too attached to them because those small details are going to change oh very much yeah yeah a, a lot then you got to write your npcs then you're going to want to write out your specific monsters and magic yep that you're going to need you know it's a great thing too about the npcs bill is if anybody needs a hand with any of that we have an episode on it so you yeah, should probably we, go. We do. We have an entire yeah. episode on how to build your NPCs. Yeah, and Bill did his best misdoubt fire uh, <laughs> thing on there. So uh, you know what? That's even worth listening to just for that part. Bill makes a charming old woman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing what I could do spontaneously. Yeah, and pulling those monsters together. One of the things that we like to do is, um, and we we had to out of necessity, not just because we're overly creative, is we had to like we had to make brand new monsters. We made everything from scratch because their players know the all the books inside and out. Yeah, and nothing's worse when they turn around and go, "Oh, well, I'm just gonna happen to have this because it's effective." I hate that. I I really do. You know, it's and even if they're not trying to meta game. If they know they're going to metagame. So throw a monster at them that they've never seen, they've never heard of. Brand new stuff is great because then they have to discern what the monster can do. And just because they ran into this the monster this time and defeated it doesn't mean they've run into all its abilities or all its you know powers or attacks the second time around. So they're going to try to use the same stuff all over again, and all of a sudden it's not working as well because... There are defenses for the blue ones and not the red ones that they didn't know about. Yeah, there's a lot to consider when you're 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 putting pen to paper, and that's you know oftentimes you're going through like tons of notes and notebooks and and loose pieces of paper, and you're looking at story arcs and you're building encounters and NPCs and where NPCs fit in and and random encounters and maps and it's a lot. It's a lot, and it can be very, 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 very daunting, and especially to a brand new GM, you know, who's kind of like really. It's easy. It's easy to get a brand new GM kind of, kind of skittish about it because there's there's so much. A tad, it it can seem more overwhelming. Yeah, but you tackle it one little bit at a time. Yep. Yeah. And, well, you said and, it before. You, yep. you know, you got to eat that elephant one bite right. at a time. Yep. So you do it a little bit at a time, concentrate on one thing, get it done, move on to the next. Then once you got all your pieces, then there's only a few things left to put together. Um, so so some of your final final tools you're going to need, like soundtracks, 
charts, tables, maps, handouts. We've mentioned a number of times, players love handouts. Love handouts. Um, specific notes that need to be passed on with information. You know, if this is a, a point that you need to move across. Now, it might be the verbal word of one of the barmaids overheard it at the bar. Or it might physically be a note that is being passed on as a communication. However you pass the information on, have it written ahead of time. And write it out as a note you're going to pass on in case you need to. Because the information you're passing on may change from one NPC to the other depending on where the characters go, how it, you know, where the story is being going, whether or not your NPCs are going to, or your PCs are going to throw a, a crazy Ivan and go, no, we're not going to go to that town. We're going to go to the castle over there and sleep there instead. Why? Because it looks cool. It's deserted and there's no food and there's no water. Yeah, but it looks cool. We're going to go sleep there. It's like, crap. And because deep down they know, yeah, yeah, that, that you have spent all this time I'm... and effort and energy, <laughs> and they're going to throw you a a, a, a curveball, um, you know, maybe like soundtrack and background sounds are a little much for a brand new GM, but for someone that's been doing it a while, it, that that sort of thing can really add layers to your game. It definitely amps things up a little bit. Yeah. And and I think it's it's gone a long way towards um, towards our games. Yeah, it's, we both use it. Yeah, yeah. For, especially for like mood setting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that is is really really good for mood setting and background sounds. There's a ton of stuff out there uh, available for background sounds, and I think that that lends to the immersion. If you the more you can immerse your players in your game, the better off you're going to be as a GM. And it. it it makes your job easier. We didn't have this mm-hmm. stuff, no, um, a million years ago when we started playing. So we had to, you know, we had to, we had to be really descriptive, and it can be kind of mentally draining and and exhausting to to just manage all of that, especially if you're doing it for long periods of time. Right. So we got all our tools together. So time for session zero. Session, yeah, session zero is. I never, I, I, I didn't do this always, um, but session zero is, I think, really important. I think we both come to that conclusion. Yeah. Uh, initially, it, it was just session zero was, all right, tonight we're going to make our characters and yep. build some equipment, and we're probably not going to game tonight, but we just want to make sure the characters are all set. And session zero has developed from that, especially yeah. when you're dealing with house rules and we've gone into this on some of our other episodes on what your character should expect from you and what you expect from your players. Yeah, that's a good, good opportunity to kind of lay that out on the table. There's a social contract in D&D and other tabletop RPGs that um, it, it's implied. And this is a good opportunity for... You to ask questions of your of your players. Now we have a pretty good idea of what each of our players wants, and that's that's not because we're especially insightful, but it's because we've been <laughs> playing the game with them for so long. You know, I I know what people I know what people like. Um, so that that doesn't take up a lot of time at our session zeros, but no. um, when you have like a new group. Or a new player. Session zero is is really 
important from a DM perspective. Now, as a, as a player, right. Lou, I, how, what are your thoughts on session zero? I mean, is this a tool that for a player, is it beneficial? Of, yeah, of course. Uh, you learn a little bit about um, not only about your character. You, like you said, you could get the house rules, but it also gives you housekeeping so you can actually, if there's a potential that you know other players, get their backgrounds. Um, learn about them as as you go along because a lot of times when you're coming into these stories, you're coming into either one, you know, as a, a small group or uh, you know, you know, other players from are the PCs from somewhere in the town or something like that. So it gives you a chance to learn their background, so you're not going in cold and stumbling on your feet. Yeah, and that's a that's a a good point. You you can establish relationships between between characters um it's a good opp- it's a good opportunity for for your players to kind of give you an idea really of what they're what they're looking for and and vice versa like you don't you don't want to make this big high fantasy epic tale and then you know have a uh, a couple of your players come in thinking it's a beer and pretzels game where it's you know all gonna... I want to do is dungeon crawl no like when we did our system zero for the I'll say the campaign that Gravin was in. Um, everybody got to learn a little bit about everybody's mentality before we even started playing. We knew a little bit, okay, what, this is what sets them off. This is, you know, how to stay on their good side. Because um, while we all had a common goal, I don't think a lot of us or a couple of us really didn't know any of the other PCs. So it was a good way for us to adjust to the other characters without being surprised of anything as well. Yeah, that's... That's something that's that's really important. It's like you don't have to find your way after that. You know, it's like, oh, how do I know these people? Or it's at least but, easier to find your way. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity too to lay out, you know, the house rules, not just as as they pertain to how you play the game, but where you're playing the game. You know, it's like, uh, okay, uh, you know, we're gonna bring snacks or. I appreciate it if, you know, you're not on your cell phone all night. You know, I understand, you know, things things happen. You may have to take a call or send a text. But, you know, it's those simple kind of etiquette issues. Yeah, etiquette. etiquette. But it, it, uh, more importantly, I think, it's, uh, at least for the GM, it lets them know what they can approach and what they can't approach. That's really – yeah, yes. that's really, really, really important. And, um, like, I was – we were um, – we had a a session zero when uh, what was um, Mike and Corrick and 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 Frank when we we played a, a an online game and I think Larry was there for a couple of them so we did a little a little session zero and you know Corrick uh, Corrick plays a, a a female character and 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 very 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 tastefully. I might add, you know, I, and uh, this is the topic for another episode, but I, I find that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times when, when males play, uh, uh, female characters at the table, it's like, a something, hype, something out of their fantasy. Yeah. yeah they it's emulate like, it's, their fantasies. Yeah. It's a hyper sexualized, yeah. you know, adolescent males idea of what a, a, a female in a fantasy setting is. And, you know, I, I fantasy being the, you know, the, the, the operational word there. perfectly acceptable armor. Yeah. And, and he does, he does a very, very, very 
good job with that. But one of the things, you know, what's off the table? Um, and, uh, you know, Corrick said, you know, anything involving like sexual assault, I just don't feel comfortable with and, and nor do I for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's things like that, you know, um, torture of characters, you know, you gotta, you gotta lay that. Yeah. When do you fade to black? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And that's super, super important. Yeah, Cause you know, everybody has a sensitive subject that they don't want to delve yeah. into or touch. Yeah. And, and you don't, you know, as as a GM, you don't wanna you don't wanna cross those boundaries either. And and folks, if you're playing at a table and the GM, even after you've you've outlined those things, you you know, if your your GM is 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 not respecting those boundaries, then then you need to find another table. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, like because if you already told him and he's crossing those boundaries, and I'm sure the looks in your face have not put forward the point that you need to stop doing this. Yeah, just pack up and go yeah. to another table. They're not the right GM. It's not worth the head. No, uh, no, no. no. Don't argue with them. Don't say, hey, don't do this. Maybe it'll be better next week. It won't be. Bail. Yeah. So always keep that in mind. There's We got a few other things to go over for Session Zero. How about the theme of the scenario? Yeah, uh, that's important. You know, establish what the theme is. It's, you know, what, what. What the, is this a serious game, a horror game, epic high fantasy? Mm-hmm. Is this uh, something that's in the vein of, uh, you know, Robert E. Howard or pulpy kind of um, setting? Yeah, that's just it. It goes into the setting next, and then from there it goes into the timeline. Now, we, we, we mentioned the Donnelly Files a few times. This started in 1857 was the year we started, you know, well, I mean, that was the year I was a freshman in college. But, um. The, that's the year of the setting that we're in. So we're you're dealing with an older time where technology was not as available as it is in a modern timeline. So you got to set your timeline up, whether it's fantasy, whether it's a superhero world, whether it's an um, illegal extraordinary extraordinary individuals. You need to establish that timeline so they know where they're working at. And then another thing, we talked session zero about a lot of character creation. What about pregens? Yeah, pregens is that's when you would uh, drop them on the table during yeah. session zero. Here's a whole pot. That's, that's how we started. There's a yeah. lot of yeah. I, I yeah. the first couple of years I generated three characters for everybody at the table, and I again these are people that we've gained with for a while now. Uh, kind of knew what they wanted, so I geared three different styles of characters towards one person. And went here, pick one of these, and then pick one of these. And if you don't like any of them, throw them in the middle of the table, and then pick out of the pile in the middle of the table. Yep. I don't think anyone had to choose more than one. No, and, and that that works out really well. I think if you have like a kind of like a seasoned group of players yes. that already know the for role new groups, that, not so much. Yeah. but for seasoned groups, like I said, I, I I was able to gear characters that were different enough to give variety, but a, similar enough where I knew that the person playing them would be attracted to any of them. But on the flip side, I think a lot of um, newer GMs will also appreciate that because like a lot of the campaigns. Uh, the Fandelver and the Ice Mines, uh, they both uh, come with pre-gen characters, or one of them does. Yep. I think that's a starter kit. Yeah, it's a good way to jump into a yeah, game. Yeah, it is. But And oh. I think a lot of GMs actually prefer, at least from what I've been reading in the forums, some of them prefer now to go with pre-generated characters because they know what they're going to be in for then. So yeah, you have the chance of reading the characters yes. over and nothing's a, so you're right, like nothing's a surprise for you. You've uh, got delved over all the characters before you handed them out. So, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a bonus to that. And perhaps even for the players as well because, 
Um, if you're a new player, that's a daunting process. Yeah, you may not have an idea of what you want to play. I mean, you you um you try to push some pregens on a veteran player, and it ain't at a convention. <laughs> you're gonna get some pushback. They'll be like, "No, I have this. I have this tome that is the back." story for my character that I've already <laughs> written and this pregen does not fall into that nor do the stats um so it, w- it, why else would you read these 47 pages I wrote for the background yeah and so it's but that is a good opportunity to drop some pregens on the table it also just to save time it's also a good time to uh, establish what level you're starting at not all tables start at zero you know at first level yeah um just you know do you establish your startup level um, another point is experience point progression. How are you going to award them, and how fast are you going to move? And yeah. that should be determined in session zero as well. Yeah, are you are you doing milestone XP, mm-hmm. which is which is my preferred method? Um, I think it keeps the murder hoboing down to a minimum. You you don't fall into that um, that kind of MMORPG thing where you're just ah, look at that a wolf. You know, like in World of Warcraft, yeah. how many wolves did you kill before you had to kill a bunch of Thousands. pigs? <laughs> yeah, and uh, just killing killing shit for XP. And that's the way the game was before. You kill something, you get XP. You yep. take its money, you get XP. XP. You, you find a magic item, more XP for that. So we killed everything. So there was the birth of Mortal Hoboing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, ni- 1970-whatever, the murder hobo was born, and we've been dealing with it for the past half a century. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a, a good way to... You know, to do that is 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 mention it right at that session zero. This is you could count on fast or slow progression, moderate progression. This is how the XP is handed out, and it's always good to remind them that there's there there are penalties for your actions. Yes, there are consequences to your actions. Yes, negative experience points have been given out at our tables. Absolutely. And the last thing I got is magic level. Is your high magic, low magic? You know, what could you expect? Is magic commonplace in this world, or is it a rarity, or is it somewhere in between? Yeah, that's um, that that's something that we established very early on that we're going to have a low magic, low magic world. So yes. don't plan on a lot of magic items. You're not going to have that golf bag of magic items with right. you. Then. And believe it or not, I think a lot of us. I know myself. I prefer it that way now. Yeah, I I do too because it's more. Um, I think it's it's easier to develop your character. You don't have the crutch of magic. Yeah, use your skills and use your knowledge. As along with that, I think it promotes more teamwork. Yep, it does. It does, and and I I remember, and I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who you are if you're listening, (laughs) and if you're not listening, you should be because you're our friend. Um, (laughs) Someone was hoarding magic items. (laughs) <laughs> and Bill caught wind of it. Yep. And that was it. <laughs> there, were, there was no more hoarding of the magic I items. I swept in like a storm out of the north and scoured the lands, <laughs> the, the lands of magic. Players, characters, hidden stuff, it all went away. He, he ran me? his pockets. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> I was known for blowing them up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's... um. That's 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 something too, and so people people kind of have an idea, you know, of of the world world they're playing, and 
and, and it's it's all you know it's also a good opportunity to kind of introduce the character you know this is what i look like this is what i am exactly you yep. know these are my likes or dislikes could because you want to assume that there's something known about one another some common ground yeah right? Even yeah. if you don't know the person, you may have heard about them. You may have seen them in town. Maybe they have a small reputation in this small local area. Uh, it may not be like, oh, that's the greatest archer, but, hey, I heard he's pretty good with a bow. Right. And this one here is pretty skilled with a sword. You know, and we got to do this stuff. Maybe these are the people I want to be with. It's not not Bob down the street because Bob uh, cut himself three times just sharpening his sword. The last thing I want him to do is wielding one around. But, but Reginald over here, he's pretty competent. So I, I think I want Reginald to come with us. And that's your campaign, part one, preparing your epic adventure. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.